Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 187 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the perilous times we live in and the solution for these days. Let's dive in. Well, I don't know about you, but as I look across the spans of culture, one of the things I have to say is we live in perilous times. We live in a season right now where Good is deemed evil. Evil is deemed good. Lawlessness is running amok. Fear and anxiety is consuming most people. And lies abound. At the end of Paul's life, as he is about to face his own martyrdom, he writes Timothy this great exhortation. It's in it's 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote right before he died. And listen to what Paul says to Timothy in terms of these, what he calls these last days. Now, we've been in these last days technically for about 2,000 years. But as we look at the fact that Jesus is coming soon, we are on the brink of what could be called the last days. But listen to what Paul says to Timothy in terms of the season that is to come, which sounds awfully like the season we live in right now. This is what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. A chapter later in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul continues and he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I read those passages and I go, 
wow, I feel like Paul is talking directly to the culture in which we live, not even just here in America, but around the world. We have thrown out truth and we've embraced error. We've embraced these lies. We've embraced what Paul here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 says is fables, that we would rather live in our selfishness and our pride and our arrogance and and forget what everybody else thinks and and forget what what you know forget the morality and the ethics and all this kind of stuff let me just live for myself and what i want and and what makes me feel good and what i deem is right or as the book of judges says everyone did what was right in their own eyes and that really is a, a statement for today that that we don't have a moral compass we've kind of thrown out the reality of truth well, today in America is a big day, and and as I was just pondering this idea that, okay, we live in perilous times, and we live in a season where lawlessness and, and fear and anxiety and, and lies are abounding, what is a Christian supposed to do? And as I was just pondering this idea of the season in which we live in, these perilous times, here's my exhortation to all of us. Let us not get wrapped up in the peril. We are called as believers to be fearless. We are to be steadfast. We are to be immovable. We are to be unshakable as believers of Jesus Christ. That we are not to be pushed around by every wind of doctrine and we are not to just live on sinking sand. Rather, we are built and we are to stand firm upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. As such, there is no reason to fear. God is in control. And however America goes and whatever this election ends up happening and, or what ends up happening with this election, and no matter what happens in culture around the world, our God still reigns. And he will use that which the enemy means for evil and use it for God's purposes and his plans for his glory. So as a believer, as a Christian, I can rest in the provision. But here is my commission. So I'm not to be passive. I'm not merely to just to sit back and do nothing in this time. I am as a Christian called to do something. So what is a Christian supposed to do in the midst of a perilous season? Well, a Christian is supposed to pray. That as Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, we are to be anxious for nothing but in everything, which includes this season in which we live, in everything By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, nothing should be producing fear and anxiety in our hearts. Rather, everything should be driving us to Jesus in prayer. I love what Ian Bound says. He he wrote this in the 1800s, but think about how important this statement is for our lives in this generation. Ian Ian Bound says this, These days of ours has a desperate need of a generation of praying men, a band of men and women through whom God can bring his great and his greatest movements more fully into the world. The Lord, our God, is not constrained within himself, but he is constrained in us by reason of our little faith and weak praying. A breed of Christian is greatly needed who will seek tirelessly after God, who will give him no rest day and night until he hearkens to their cry. The times demand praying men who are all athirst 
for God's glory, who are broad and unselfish in their desires, quenchless for God, who seek him late and early and will give themselves no rest until the whole earth be filled with his glory. What a phenomenal statement. Ian Bounds is saying, we desperately need a group of men and women who will, who will tirelessly go after God, who will beseech him day and night, who will become these men and women of prayer. Wow, what, what a great thing that we need for this hour. We need not to focus on the perilous times in which we live. We need to focus rather upon our Savior who resides over the perilous times in which we live. And therefore, we should be men and women of prayer. And I don't just mean prayer in the sense of we pray a quick prayer before our meals or right before we go to sleep. I'm saying we actually give time to God in beseeching, earnestly going after him in prayer. That we find ourselves falling to our faces on our knees, crying out in desperation for a movement of God. It's been quoted a lot in this recent season. At least I've heard this verse quoted quite a bit. But Second Chronicles 7.14, it's a promise that God is making. There's this declaration, and it shows up several times throughout Second Chronicles. But it's this idea, and, and here's here's the summary. Here's the verse, if you want to summarize it this way. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We need that, not just here in America where I live, but around the world. The perilous times in which we live is global. And as such, we, God's people, we need to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek his face, to turn from our wicked ways so that God will forgive our sin and heal our land. If our commission is then to be men and women of prayer, well, what on earth are we supposed to focus on? What are we to be praying about? Well, let me give you seven quick ideas of things that you probably need to be diligently praying for. So let me just go through these really quickly. Number one, your personal life. What would happen if we came before the Lord in humility and just says, Lord, will you search and try my heart and see if there's any wicked way within me? Lord, would you not let me just justify sin? Would you not let me just be passive in my Christian life? Let me just don't go throughout my day thinking I'm good because I merely go to a church. Lord, will you convict my heart and will you bring me to the place that you are calling me to be? Let me be the full picture of a Christian in this generation. So Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm in. What if we would live in a position of surrender, dependence, abiding in our Savior every single moment of every single day? What if we would say, Lord, this world desperately needs revival, but start here in my own life. If you're going to start somewhere, start here. I am coming in an attitude of repentance. I am coming with great humility. My face is on the floor before you. Lord, please move. And if you're going to change something, even if you don't change culture, even if you just let things, you know, kind of seemingly go horrible, and hey, if that brings you the most glory, and if, if the pressure and the persecution, you know, brings about a refinement of the church, then praise the Lord. But Lord, you've got to do something in my own heart first. See, what if we as believers 
began to pray that God would move radically in our hearts, that he would clean and purge and transform and remove the junk and the dross of our life and bring us into another, a whole nother level of relationship with himself. So number one, pray for your personal life. Second, pray for your family. Ask that God would give not just protection about your family, but that God would bring about a movement of himself in the midst of your family. So regardless whatever your family dynamics look like, so if you're married, pray for your spouse and your kids. If if you live in your parents' home, well, then pray for your parents, pray for your extended family. Ask that God would move in your household and that your household would be a place of prayer, a place of repentance, a place of seeking the Lord with all your heart. Third, pray for your local church. It is hard to be a pastor in this season. So pray for your pastor, pray for your elders, pray for your leadership team. Pray that your local church body would be a beacon of light amidst this dark culture. And regardless of whether you're meeting or not meeting in this season, pray that there would be strength infused. Pray that people would stand for the truth and would not be pushed around and would be fearless in this culture. And then you could expand that to pray for the church worldwide. Fourth, pray for the country you live in. So I live in America and we are going through a crazy season with this election. And today is a very significant day in American history. So what am I going to be doing today? Well, I'm going to be beseeching the Lord on behalf of the country that I'm going to be praying for the government, governmental leaders. I'm going to be praying that there would be a great humbling and a mercy that God would show upon these people who are causing chaos in our culture. And wherever you're from, whatever country you're in, pray for your country. Now, selfishly, I would ask that you also pray for America right now, but pray for your country. Ask that God would move upon its leaders. We as Christians are called biblically to pray for our leaders. So let's do that. Let's not merely esteem the word of God. Let's actually do it. So let's pray for our leaders. Let's ask that God would give them wisdom and that he would show them mercy, that he would steer their hearts like a waterway, that that they would be humbled and brought to their knees in confession, and that they would embrace Jesus as Lord. Fifth, as believers, let's stand against the movement of the enemy. Now, I know this could probably be a little intimidating for some of us, where it's like, you know, let's bind and loose and all this kind of, you know, that kind of language. But you realize that the enemy... Though he does have a season where it seems like he is in control. And yes, the days seem to be getting darker and darker, but God is light. And as people of the light, let us stand against the darkness. So let us pray that God will literally stop the lawlessness that is increasing. That the fear and the hatred and this murderous spirit that seems to be ramping up in culture, that it would cease that it would actually have no authority or position any longer. That the lies that are being toted, the deception that is just being propagated throughout the world, that truth would reign and those who are speaking lies would be silenced. Now, we are not praying that there would be a destruction of a person. We're praying that God would stir their hearts and give them mercy and awaken them so that they would turn to Jesus. But we do need to stand against the spiritual powers and the principalities that are trying to puppeteer and enforce and uh, encroach upon this culture. Six, let's pray for revival. We desperately need a movement of God. We need that in our personal life, in our families, in our churches, 
in the global church, in our countries, we need a movement of God. And I am encouraged in these days because it is in the times where things are dark, when things seem to be impossible, when, when it seems like darkness is triumphing, it is a great opportunity for the church to repent, to fall upon its knees in humility, to cry out, to seek and begin to pray for revival and see the tides turned. When you study revival in, in history, when you look at the Great Awakenings, what you find is that those happen in the midst of some of the greatest dark times in history. So let us be expectant. Let us be excited for the fact that this is an opportunity for a tremendous movement of God if we would seek the Lord. And lastly, I would encourage us all to be praying for what I'm calling the three M's. Be praying for missions, martyrs, and Maranatha. In other words, let's be praying for the missionaries around the world. The fields are white with harvest. Let us pray that workers would be raised up. For those who are already doing missionary work, let's be praying for them. This is a hard season to do mission work. And for those of us who are not formal missionaries in some mission land, let us remember that we are called to be missionaries right where we are at. Let's not forget those who are being martyred and persecuted around the world. We are called to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters who are in chains. So let's pray for those. Let's, let's pray for the missions work. Let's pray for the missionaries. Let's pray for the martyrs and, and those who are being persecuted. And the third M is this idea of Maranatha, which means come, Lord Jesus, come. Maranatha, the Lord is coming again. And for 2,000 years, that great prayer has been, has been prayed by the Spirit and the church, which is come, come, Lord Jesus, come. So in these perilous times, can I encourage you to be a man or a woman a prayer, not, not merely someone who just kind of tips your hat to God and says, Lord, I just pray for the day. Amen. Or, you know, just praying for your meals or praying right before you go to sleep. What if we would labor in prayer that we'd actually be men and women who pray, who don't merely esteem prayer or talk about prayer, but who actually pray. And so again, seven quick areas that I think that we all need to be diligently praying for in these perilous times. One, your personal life, your family, the local church, as well as the global church, the country in which you live, that, that we stand against the lawlessness, the deception, the fear, the hatred that is increasing in this hour, that we pray for revival and a great movement of God, and that we pray for these three M's, that we pray for missions, for the martyrs or the persecuted church, and Maranatha, that the Lord would come quickly. I know these are hard days. But let us be expectant and excited for the Lord, our God reigns. He is victorious. And so let us humble ourselves. Let us seek his face. Let us love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. Let us seek first the kingdom of God and remember that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, I hope that's an encouragement for you today. And thanks as always for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of all those prayer points, as well as the verses I mentioned, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 187 for episode 187. And until next time, know I'll be praying for you and I'm cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.